Welcome to 5 at 8. I'm Mark Overman, and I'm here with Linda Carlisle on Saturday, September 30th, 2023. Here's the day's top news. In this episode, we will talk about rising interest rates and oil prices causing challenges for consumers and the economy. Russian President Vladimir Putin taking control of the private military force Wagner Group. Astronomers' optimism about finding alien life in the universe. The ongoing crisis of Chinese property giant Evergrande. And Saudi Arabia's determination to secure a military pact with the United States. Story number one. Rising interest rates and oil prices are creating a challenging environment for consumers, investors, and the economy, as reported by the New York Times. Treasury yields have reached their highest levels in decades, increasing costs for consumers and businesses, unsettling the stock market, and complicating the Federal Reserve's efforts to control inflation. At the same time, oil prices have surged, pushing the average price of gasoline in the U.S. close to $1.04 a gallon. The combination of rising interest rates, expensive oil, and a strong dollar is difficult for the economy to handle. While there has been positive news about the U.S. economy, there is still a possibility of a recession, and it is wise to prepare for trouble, according to the New York Times. The Federal Reserve's control over short-term rates has been overshadowed by the bond market's signals of a likely recession. The yield surge in the bond market has disrupted both the stock and bond markets. The strong dollar has depressed S&P 500 earnings and caused difficulties for countries dealing with increased import costs and worse export terms. Rising interest rates have made consumer loans more expensive and have started to impact spending. Traders who have made aggressive bets on long-term bonds have experienced major losses. The surge in bond yields has also affected stock investors who were hoping for controlled inflation and less tightening from the Fed. It is an unsettled time, and the economy and markets may face further turmoil, as stated by the New York Times. Who would have thought we'd be seeing these interest rates again, right? Harkens back to the early 80s, but with a twist. Now we've got this trifecta of rising rates, soaring oil prices, and a strong dollar. It's like a perfect storm, isn't it? The confluence of these factors creates a complex situation. While savers and world travelers might be rejoicing, it's a different story for consumers and businesses. The icing on the cake is the strong dollar, which while making your vacation abroad cheaper depresses foreign earnings for U.S. companies. It's a mixed bag, really. It's not just about the interest rates hitting the ceiling or oil prices going through the roof. It's this combination that's stirring the pot. And while the Fed's trying to juggle all these balls, there's concern that their inflation fight might take longer and require even more rate increases. It's like walking a tightrope, isn't it? There are no easy solutions here. On one hand, the Fed needs to keep inflation in check. On the other hand, they need to ensure that these measures don't tip the economy into recession. It's a delicate balancing act. And the uncertainty it creates is being felt in the financial markets. Right, Linda. And let's not forget about the potential impact on the global supply chains. With oil prices going up and the dollar being strong, import costs are bound to increase. This could further exacerbate the already strained supply chains, leading to a ripple effect on global trade. And it's not just about the economic implications. There's a human cost, too. Higher interest rates mean more expensive loans, which can hit consumers hard. And the rising oil prices will eventually be felt at the gas pump. So, while we're discussing these macroeconomic indicators, let's remember that they have real-world impacts on everyday people. Story number two. 
Russian President Vladimir Putin has met with Andrei N. Troshev, the former chief of staff of the Wagner Group, indicating that Moscow is taking control of the private military force, as reported by the New York Times. Troshev has been assigned the task of forming volunteer units for combat missions in Ukraine. The fate of Wagner has been uncertain since the death of its leader in a plane crash, but the Kremlin believes the group's military prowess and ties to African governments are valuable. Some Wagner mercenaries have returned to the front lines in Ukraine, while others have remained loyal to the former leader and do not want to be integrated into the defense ministry. Would you look at that, Linda? Putin's really doubling down on this mercenary road, isn't he? Assigning Andrei N. Troshev, a veteran of wars in Afghanistan and Chechnya, to form volunteer units for the war in Ukraine. It's a bit of a power play, considering the turmoil in Wagner following Prigozhin's death. It seems the Kremlin sees the value in maintaining a force like Wagner, despite the internal struggles and controversies. I mean, the fact that some of these fighters were recruited from prisons. It raises serious ethical questions, doesn't it? But it seems that the tactical benefits, such as the experienced operators and ties to African governments, are too valuable for Moscow to simply discard. Right you are, Linda. It's a classic case of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. They're leveraging these mercenary groups to carry out missions that might not be politically viable for traditional military forces. And when you've got a seasoned war veteran like Troshev at the helm, who's got experience in dealing with such units, it just adds to the efficacy of this approach. This isn't just about the domestic power dynamics or the situation in Ukraine. There's a broader geopolitical aspect to this. Wagner's operations in Africa, for instance, could be viewed as Russia extending its sphere of influence. It's a complex web of relations and machinations. Ah, you've hit the nail on the head, Linda. It's a chess game on a global scale. And these private military firms, they're like the rooks on the board. Powerful and versatile, but always at the command of the player. It's a fascinating, if somewhat unsettling, development in modern warfare. Unsettling is the word, Mark. It's a development that warrants careful scrutiny, as it could redefine the rules of engagement and conflict resolution in the international arena. This is a conversation that needs to continue, and we'll certainly be keeping a close eye on the unfolding situation. Story number three. In a report from the BBC, astronomers are increasingly optimistic about the possibility of finding alien life in the universe. The recent detection of potential life signs on a planet outside of our solar system has fueled this optimism. Telescopes can now analyze the atmospheres of distant planets for signs of chemicals that are produced by living organisms on Earth. The discovery of life on any of these planets would have a profound impact on our understanding of the universe and our place in it. In addition to searching for life on distant planets, scientists are also focusing on the icy moons of Jupiter and the planets in our own solar system. The search for intelligent life is also ongoing with efforts to detect signals from alien civilizations. The discovery of alien life would be a major scientific breakthrough and could revolutionize our understanding of the universe. I gotta tell you, Linda, this news about the possibility of alien life in the universe being found soon is mind-boggling. The thought that we might not be alone in this vast cosmos is, well, a game-changer. But I wonder why now? Why are scientists so optimistic all of a sudden? That's a great question, Mark. The optimism stems largely from technological advancements. You see, we now have instruments like the James Webb Space Telescope, which can analyze the atmospheres of planets orbiting distant stars. 
This is crucial because these atmospheres may contain chemicals that, on Earth at least, can be produced only by living organisms. So, it's kind of like we're peeking into their kitchen window trying to see what's cooking, right? But if these planets are light years away, how confident can we be about these readings? Well, yes, in a way. The distances are indeed vast, but the science is sound. These telescopes use a well-established technique to discern the chemical composition of materials from the light they emit. The James Webb Space Telescope and the upcoming Habitable Worlds Observatory are so powerful that they can do this even with the tiny amount of light from the atmosphere of a faraway planet. That's pretty wild. But let's say we do find signs of life. What does that mean for us, for humanity? I mean, it's one thing to speculate about little green men, but the reality? That's another kettle of fish. The discovery of extraterrestrial life would be a major paradigm shift. It would change the way we view ourselves and our place in the universe. It would also raise many philosophical and ethical questions. We would have to grapple with the reality of sharing the universe with other conscious beings. It's a profound and complex issue, one that we will need to approach with great care and wisdom. Story number four. According to the BBC, the ongoing crisis of Chinese property giant Evergrande has left many anxious home buyers in China reeling. Buyers who had invested their life savings into off-plan apartments from Evergrande are now uncertain if they will ever receive the homes they paid for. The real estate crisis in China has been further exposed by Evergrande's bankruptcy, with another property giant, Country Garden, also facing deep trouble. The property market in China accounts for a third of its economy, raising concerns about the impact on allied industries. The crisis adds to Beijing's challenges of slowing growth, falling exports, and rising youth unemployment. There is growing criticism of the inadequate protections for buyers and concerns that the property crisis could spread to more developers. Home buyers have formed groups and are seeking government intervention to address the issue. Should we just dive right in? You know, this Evergrande crisis is really starting to look like a repeat of the 2008 financial crisis in the States. Good, hard-working folks like Mrs. Guo and her husband pour their life savings into a dream that's sold to them, only for the rug to be pulled out from under them. I mean, I'm all for free markets and capitalism, but this is a crying shame, Linda, don't you think? It's heartbreaking to hear stories like Mrs. Guo's. It's a grim reminder that the actions of these corporate giants can have such devastating effects on ordinary people's lives. But what's more concerning is the ripple effect this crisis is having on the broader economy. The housing market in China accounts for a third of its economy, so the implications are far-reaching. Oh, you're right on the money, Linda. I mean, think about it. This isn't just about housing. It's about construction, steel, cement, heck, even household appliances. And let's not forget about the jobs tied to these industries. This could add more fuel to the fire with the already rising youth unemployment rate in China. Yes. And, you know, this also raises questions about the role of corporate accountability and transparency. The public outcry on social media platforms like Weibo is palpable. People are asking why there weren't enough protections for buyers. And I think that's a valid concern. It seems there's a need for more stringent regulatory scrutiny and oversight mechanisms in place to prevent such crises. Couldn't agree more, Linda. It's like, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. Well, you know the rest. We've seen this play out before in 2008, and here we are again. It's high time we learn from our past mistakes. But hey, the silver lining here is the public's response. They're speaking up, standing up for their rights, and making sure their voices are heard. And that's something we should all applaud. Absolutely.
Public discourse and activism are powerful tools for change. And while we can't predict the future, one thing is certain. This crisis has shed light on systemic flaws and the dire need for more sustainable and ethical business practices. It's a wake-up call, not just for China, but for the world. Story number five. Saudi Arabia is determined to secure a military pact with the United States that would require the U.S. to defend the kingdom in exchange for opening ties with Israel, even if Israel does not offer major concessions to the Palestinians in their bid for statehood. According to Reuters, the pact, which might resemble treaties the U.S. has with Asian states or the U.S. agreement with Bahrain, would reshape the Middle East by bringing together two longtime foes and binding Riyadh to Washington. The Palestinians could see some Israeli restrictions eased, but their core demand for statehood would take a back seat. The parameters of the defense pact are still being worked out, but it would likely be a mutual defense understanding rather than a full treaty. The U.S. could sweeten the deal by designating Saudi Arabia a major non-NATO ally. However, winning support from lawmakers in the U.S. Congress remains a challenge due to previous denunciations of Saudi Arabia for its military intervention in Yemen and its role in the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Should we be surprised by Saudi Arabia's push for a military pact with the U.S., Linda? I mean, they're basically saying they're willing to open ties with Israel, even if the Israelis don't make significant concessions to the Palestinians. That's a major shift, isn't it? Yes, it's a significant development in the geopolitics of the Middle East. Traditionally, Arab states have conditioned normalization of relations with Israel on its resolution of the conflict with the Palestinians. But the current situation suggests a departure from that stance. So, we're talking about a mutual defense understanding here, right? Not a full treaty alliance or anything like that? Yes, Mark. It's not like a NATO-style defense guarantee. The U.S. seems reluctant to offer that level of commitment. It could look more like treaties Washington has with Asian states, or perhaps even the U.S. agreement with Bahrain. The latter wouldn't need congressional backing. Right. And it seems like Saudi Arabia is determined to get some form of binding U.S. protection, especially after the 2019 missile strikes on its oil sites. I guess they're looking to secure their interests, uh? Saudi Arabia being the world's biggest oil exporter, they do have a lot at stake and an agreement giving them U.S. protection in exchange for normalizing ties with Israel would be a game-changer for the region. And what about the Palestinians? It doesn't sound like they'd be getting much out of this deal. Unfortunately, it seems like their aspirations for statehood might take a back seat in this arrangement. There could be some easing of Israeli restrictions, but it's unlikely to fulfill their core demands. It's a complex situation, and as always, finding a balance that satisfies all parties involved is a challenging task. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.